This is a new public service podcast brought to you in full by Hachi the Hack. Hachi the Hack probably gives a f- what you think. If you don't like it, then you can find another means of entertainment. Little did you know upon giving this a chance, you have just found the best thing about lockdown. Hachi the Hack is fed up with the media and government sh- and may well let rip. Anything else? I guess followed and enjoy the podcast. Buongiorno, troops and troopettes. We've hit episode five of my Corona podcast. Cheers for staying with us as we help you to stay sane through the lockdown. I promised we would come on to look at the arts, specifically in episode five, and I've got an absolute treat for us. I welcome Tosh O'Hara, also known as Tragic O'Hara Musically. As well as being a sound as guy, Tosh is quite simply the most artistic individual I know personally. He's got foots in many camps in that sense. And I would say that most of the general sort of art of creation, he can turn his hand to. Not just that, but he's all about expression in the purest sense rather than financial gain. So very much a man after after my own heart in that regard. Tosh, how are you, my man? I'm okay, man. I'm okay. I was going to ask, right, so see see with the name thing, first off, right, Tosh O'Hara, Tragic O'Hara, like, is there, what's the differentiation there? Are you just, are you just sad and, and, and very inward looking and, and sort of ruminating when you're doing music? Is that why it's tragic or did you just think it sounded good? Do you know, it's that, it's that, I don't, my real name doesn't, do you know, I was looking through um, old books, like, when I was young, I was making right. a video about uh, how to just daft ideas that I had that I never ever done and I was looking through it and I was looking at my name like my actual real name mm-hmm. and I was looking at it going I'm glad I changed that because it's just no do you know what I mean like David Bowie's name's no David Bowie not that I think I'm David Bowie but you know what I mean like Bob Dylan's name's no Bob Dylan like it's kind of Bowie's name's Ziggy Stardust by the way <laughs> well it's just you know it just I don't know and then when you introduce yourself to people like the whole idea was when I was out gigging and stuff like that, I would turn up and I would introduce myself with the promoter as Tragic. And it was just, you don't forget the six foot four guy in a Hawaiian shirt called Tragic. Do you know what I mean? That was, <laughs> that was just the whole idea. But, uh, and it's the Hawaiian of, shirt, was that an ironic term? The, I wish it was, man. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was irony, but it was, uh, it was just... Because um, you're no fat, because like, I mean, normally when I think of sort of big folk in Hawaiian shirts, I think of that bit of The Simpsons. You know when Homer ends up massively fat? And they put them in that yeah. shirt. That's that's what, what I think of with Hawaiian shirts. But that's that's not the reason with you, because you I would say you're more lanky than 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 large. You know? No, no. I just I think I'm uh, wiry. Wiry's <laughs> the the word. But uh, I I don't know, man. I don't know where the name. I, d- I used to tell people lies about the name, like where it came from and stuff like that. But oh, give some of your better lies. Oh that. man, they were they weren't very good. I'm not well. <laughs> One of them, like I'd said, was that it was a. I remember telling someone it was. I can't see the. Remember Kinder, remember Kinder Surprises? Of course Aye. you remember Kinder maybe, Surprises. Maybe, maybe I remember Kinder Surprises, yes. Of course. So the. That it was leprechauns. Like there used to be wee leprechaun toys and there was one in it that was drunk all the time and its name was Tragic O'Hara. It was the O'Hara series and it was ah. really complained about and they get rid of it. And I was like, I took the name off that and that was a, that, I just made that up. And then. But I'd try and just make it up every time someone asked me, and I kind of, I kind of, I don't really do it much anymore. But the name's just, I mean, that'll be, it'll be more than 10 years I've been going I, under Tragic O'Hara. Easy. Well, you're also Tragic O'Hara in the, the children's book that you illustrated 
for yeah. um, for, for for my father who, who's written that, which we're we've still to send you a copy of because we are very very organised in this house. You know? <laughs> um, now, if any of our listeners watched Art Attack growing up, and like, I mean, to be honest, who didn't he? Right? Then Tosh is essentially Ayrshire's own answer to Neil Buchanan. He, I mean, he even did the equivalent of a big Art Attack in your garden recently. Um, yeah. And that's as part of an educational series of videos for people that you're putting together during this pandemic, which we will come on to talk about in a bit more detail. But tell us a wee bit, firstly, about all the different types of sort of artistic expression you enjoy and, and, and you turn your hand to um, and, and, and your background within it. So, so where it started, where the passion started, how you followed it and, and where you've taken it. Um, I'd say it probably started with skateboarding. Like I was into skate. I'm not very good at skateboarding. Like that's the thing. Like, but I still like it. I still watch. I watch fashion videos. Yeah, I can ollie. But can you I can't. kickflip? D- d- uh, with a, a couple of weeks worth of warming up, uh, <laughs> proper proper hydration, um, I could probably do a kickflip. But I'll be sore for about six months after it. Mm. Um, but I just like it, and I'll. I, in fact, I, I'd say I more than like it. I love it, and I watch Thrasher videos every day. Like I try, but I more or less every day. And um, the thing about skateboarding is. You, you need to just make it make it work. Like you can't. We we used to make like mani pads out of like just old bits of pallet and like scaffolding poles that we found and stuff. And right, and clear that, clear a couple of things up for me. What's right, a okay, thrasher? Uh, what's a thrasher video and what's a right, mani so pad? Thrasher Thrasher's a skateboard magazine. It's it's known as it's like the Bible. It's like the skateboarding Bible. Thrasher. Um, Jake Phelps, who sadly passed away a couple of years ago, but like um. Thrasher's like just it's the it's the mecca skateboarding. It's like they've got a YouTube channel now, so they've, they've kind of they're coming with the times. That's part of the thing with skateboarding is it's evolved with the times. They didn't just go. Well, there's a lot of things have went. No, you still need to buy your newspapers. You still need to get the magazine stuff. Thrasher and certain things like that have just went. No, nah, we'll just put all the videos on YouTube and. So wow. they release big things. So like don't like zero damn at all. When they brought that video out, it was like every single part was in Thrasher, and then. Toy Machines one, which is my f- the best one I've seen in I don't know how long. Um, they brought that out and it was just it's, again it's on Thrasher. So that's what Thrasher is. It's like the it's the the NME of skateboarding. I would say. Right. Okay, right. Doc. Right, and a mani pad. A mani pad is a manual pad. So see, uh, like a curb. So if you're going to jump, if you're going to ollie onto that, and then a manuals when you balance and your back two wheels or your front two wheels, mm-hmm. you do that. So basically, because. We just made mani pads, so you have something to skate. So we'd have uh, just a couple of pallets. You'd screw down off-cuts of plywood that you could get a hold of, and you would maybe like kind of force a scaffolding pole on the side so that maybe you could grind it and stuff like that. Um, But it all kind of came through skateboarding. Like, if it wasn't for skateboarding, I wouldn't have got into music. And if it wasn't for skateboarding, I wouldn't have... That's people started writing... So what age did you do that then? Second, I don't work in ages, it's years at school. <laughs> so <laughs> Second year at the school, so that's about Second 13, year at the school. 13-ish. Uh, whenever Aye. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater came out. The first one? The first one. When that Tony, came out, Tony that Hawk's was, 2 has one of the best soundtracks at any computer game that was ever made, man. It's a, looking back, right, like the first Tony Hawk's had Dead Kennedys on it. So Dead Kennedys yes. were on it. Primus were on it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? There was unbelievable Goldfinger that Goldfinger track I mean they've they played that for uh, in their their houses like they done a big um, like a lockdown thing they all played the parts and they made a video and stuff Goldfinger oh, Superman what? 
So they've done that Brilliant. sort of stuff. Like it's still co- so culturally relevant, man. But I, if it wasn't for skateboarding, and I still do it, I still skate. Do you know what I mean? I'm just not particularly good. Right. <laughs> Sound. Funnily enough, that was one of the questions that I had done. Now, um, there's a word, right, <laughs> which I think has about a 10 mile radius. Now, I'm Yuck hoping it. that. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we right. were talking about this the other day. Yuck it. Right. No one else knows what Yikit is. No, no, no. But you go, you go like no much further. So I'm in West Kilbride, Tatty Toon, right? Without people, got <laughs> people who are further afield, right? You need to go real Google Maps here. Ka twenty three. That's my postcode, right? Um, now, if you, if you look round about, there's maybe I reckon about five villages or towns that have that word in their, in their sort of parlance, in their dictionary. Also, not just that, but it's also a generational thing. See, if you speak to wee guys and wee girls now, or wee girls, like, like young lassies, right? If you speak to, to, to the younger generation now, they don't say that word. Because I said it to my wee cousin Cameron, and I was like, aye, aye, so do you hang about with all the kind of yakit folk at school? And he's like, what? <laughs> right? I'm thinking... Seriously, like, you just don't say that. So the folk that, like, what, what, uh, wear, that wear band t-shirts and stuff, and I'm like, I, right? Do you know of a word for that? I, moshers. And I'm like, ah, mate, that's admitting defeat. That's you killing your local lingo. Nightmare. But that word, yicket, was a massive part of things growing up. And essentially, you know, you'd, um, you would have like sort of the rockers and the mods and all that kind of thing. And when I was growing up, and I think you're the same kind of era, it was Neds and Yickets. And Neds, which stands for non-educated delinquent, was actually something that people aspired to. That was an interesting facet of our culture growing up. And if you were a Yicket, you could essentially be seen as an outcast. But there was quite a lot of outcasts. And these self-same outcasts, despite wearing all the same band hoodies and all that, a lot of them would claim, yeah, I'm really individual in my choices, right? And you're like, ah, mate, you're dressed in the same Slipknot hoodie. It's all your pals. Yeah, you're trying to claim individuality. There was a lot of lies and, and kind of half-truths going on. Yeah, man. I don't even think Yakit made it to Kowinan. No, it didn't. Uh, I think it stopped at Stevenson and then um, probably West Kilbride. Dorai is an interesting one because it's going out the other way. It's going inland, right? So I don't know if you go if, if, how, how far the inroads into the Garnock Valley were. But yes, you're right. Stevenson, the three tunes, West Kilbride. I mm-hmm. think that's you. No, even Largs are fairly other. No, no. Um, I I remember the yicket thing. I was talking to my my wife she winning and we were talking about it. Nobody's uh, perfect. She well, we try. I, I moved. <laughs> I'm in winning now. I moved from Adrossen. Know what I mean, up, up or down in the world, would you say? Well, I don't. It's pretty much a plateau, isn't it? It's the same. <laughs> <laughs> but no. uh, the yicket never made it here. Never made it to winning. But like I remember yicket being. So this is what I was saying here. Like I remember talking to people about it and what, I, think, I can't remember what band it was, right? But it was obviously a band that shouted quite a lot because they picked up the lyric that uh, something to do with how they loved Yickets and hated Neds and this, and it was like Slipknot oh. or something. And I'm like, right, thinking, oh, cool, man. Like they, they appeared with us and then kind of going, years later going, hold on a minute. Like there's no way that Slipknot had a lyric about Yickets. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like Not a it's chance. a pure sulkit thing. But um Aye, man. Aye, I remember it. Well. Aye, hold on, hold on. A pure Sulkitz thing, right? Sulkitz is just the central point, man. Right? Sulkitz is, Sulkitz is not claiming ownership of that word. Not, no you know, danger am I allowing that to happen. But the idea that it went to Des Moines in Iowa, nah, <laughs> I'm not buying that. So, aye, well, we all, that's where we skated. It was just Sulkitz, man. That was that. I used to finish school, go home, put on my baggy jeans, and go back to school and skate there. There and that go. was that. 
That was that was it. That was a, that was our life, man. Uh, and I learnt more after school than I ever did during, probably. <laughs> in a way, no, uh, a, a real sort of validation of the education system, though. Yeah, but I mean, aye, but growing up, man, it's life in the streets, man. You know what I mean? Like, were you part of the the big movement then that got the? Because anyone that's not from round about here, during the the sort of main skateboarding phenomenon really growing in the noughties, there was a massive skate park was built um, in Stevenson at, at the edge of the sort of perimeter of the world, yeah. Um, or approaching it anyway. And were you part of the movement that, that sort of brought that to, to fruition, that, that massive skate park being built? I played my first gigs for, for that skate park. That was the fundraisers. Like, so, so, some of the first gigs I ever played were for, for uh, it's called Evolution, Evolution Skate Park, Evo. So, mm-hmm. like, that's how big it was here. Like, that's how many people were in it. They actually, we went from having no skate parks mm-hmm. to having, I think, as the biggest outdoor skate park in Scotland, I think, I believe if so. not the UK. Um, I think, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I remember just quoting statistics off the top of my head. But it is obviously, it's big. It's not like a wee dinky. Because it, it used to be the, we used to travel to Air. Right. To use the skate park out there. And there was uh, one in Livingston, am I right? There's one in Livy. Uh, there's the, the one in Air was on a, on a hill and it's metal. So it is. What? Have you, ne- have you never seen it? Have you never seen uh, a skate park? Like, right, so I'll give you my sort of thing, right? I hung about with all the yickets, listened to all right. the music, right? I was into all that. But me and my dad were into snowboarding. So see, mm-hmm. the first time that I tried skateboarding, fell and skinned my knee, I was like, I'll sack this for a game of <laughs> Right? I'll go and date in snow where I can sit and lie down, rub my knee for a wee bit and get back up. Um, so that, that was my, my kind of history of skateboarding and rollerblading and all that. I mean, as soon as you do that, that's akin to skiing. So for me, that's just pff, no chance. <laughs> that <clears> was <throat> it, the infighting. That was the... the, that was the <laughs> exactly, that was it was another. Infighting. Fruit bootles. <laughs> fruit bootles. <laughs> that's what it was. It was all these fruit bootles would come down and they would do this and they would do that and then they would fit. So uh, even now, like the skateboarding and BMX thing, they can still kind of see eye to eye, but then the scooters came along. Do you know what I mean? It's crazy when you think about it. Like, it's absolutely mental. And like, uh, I so there's still all this infighting and folk don't like each other and all that. And it's like, it, does that still exist? Is there not been? Oh, I, you, you, like, so I would see. I was hoping there'd been some sort of unity in the factions, given that I mean, the sort of popularisation of that culture has died down. I would say it's gone more sort of subculture again, right? And I was hoping there'd, there'd been kind of unity in the clans, but I mean, you obviously with your finger in the pulse, that's not the case then. Man, I'm 33. I'm not fighting with a 12 year old scooter person. Do you know what I mean? Like that. That's I'm past that now. I'm over it. Do you know what I mean? But you say that. I would say that probably between the same ages that we were when we were yickets, they probably still argue and fight. They probably don't like each other. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like they, there probably is that. And it's looking now. You're like that, man. What you talk? They've got an indoor park. Like that's the thing. There's shred and air. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like Ayrshire has an indoor skate park. It's still here. Do you know what I mean? Like it's still there, uh, and it's mobbed, and, it, and it's the. That's it, really the, good. The thing I love about skateboarding, right? And I'm going to maybe go off to topic here a wee bit, but like, so whatever. My, my, my uh, so I've got two boys, four and six, and the two of them skateboard with me out the front door, uh, and then, and so I'm four and six. I'm 33, and I've got a neighbour as well who is in his 50s, and he skates, and that's that's, cool. that's the beauty of these sports because you're not in co- we're not in competition 
No. Do you know what I mean? You're only trying to better yourself. That's the whole thing about skateboarding is if you're having fun, that's what it's about. It's not about can you kick flip, can you do this, can you do that? It's True. like you get you get ha- you're happy when folk do so if you see someone trying a trick, right, mm-hmm. and they finally get it, you're elated for them. Well that that was the that was that was the bit of the culture I liked as well, right? Because um I believe it comes in an ometer which measures the level of gnarly with a G, right? <laughs> um and if you're gnarly enough with what you're doing, then everybody vibes off it. So I can remember when we used to jump in West Kilbride, there's um over the 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 burn there's there's a bridge where you kind of go down a ramp it's next to, to where the football park is i'm sure you can kind of picture it in your head and we mm-hmm. used to try um when we were coming off like that that bridge we would try and, and clear the landing on our bikes now me being the idiosyncratic individual that i am everybody else was doing it in bmx's i came doing with my 21 gear mountain bike trying to do the same thing <laughs> and then um, the one time that i think i broke the gnarlyometer was when i cleared that just by myself, um, like come flying down that hill, sort of pedaling, pedaling, and then my back wheel managed to clear it by quite a distance as well, and I landed it without coping. So that's that, that's a sign of like where everybody kind of comes together, and the folk were trying stuff on their skateboards, say they were trying to sort of grind off some flip off it and land, right? See if somebody did it. Everybody would do that thing where they would all like, jump up and celebrate as if it was a goal at the FIPA, you know? Yeah, man. That side is it's really, it's, it's quite a nice thing, isn't it? I think it's one of the things that uh, everyone should learn is that skill. Like, because there's a lot of things, like, especially in art and music and different. And I suppose in every industry, like, the, people look at other what other people are doing, and they either get envious or they go, "That's amazing that that person's done that." Do you know what I mean? And like, I think if you're only in competition with yourself, like, you're only that's the thing about skateboarding and stuff like that. Like, you, you, there's no absolutely. My favourite skateboarder isn't someone else's favourite skateboarder. My favourite musician isn't someone else's favourite musician. There's no way of measuring who's the best. I mean, there's just you've got guys in skateboarding who have won all these accolades and stuff like that, but then you've got a guy like the Gons, Mark mm. Gonzalez, who is one of the most creative skateboarders ever, and he's just an artist. And then you've got guys like Ed T, and they're my favourite skateboarders, Chris Cole, Chris Haslam, people like that who look at things a bit different. There's no way of saying, like, Nigel Houston's better He's better in the in the way of like these one competitions and stuff like that than Ed T because it's total preference. Do you know what I mean? It's not a league. It's not well, as a league. I'm, t- I'm totally contradicting myself because it's a street league. See that whole thing I said there? Ignore it. There is a way to measure it. I'm making it up as I go along. Man. No, 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 no. But the hang, the hang is right. Like I mean, it's whether it's whether you pay heed to that because it's not like football where you say like if you win the Champions League, you're the best team in Europe, right? That's that's football, right? Because people approach the sport in different ways. Then I mean it's a kind of it's a kind of cultural thing, isn't it? Because I mean it's my my barometer's more sort of snowboarding, right? But you get snowboarders like Craig Kelly and Terji Hackinson who are very much about the backcountry. But a bit like loads of people have heard of of Tony Hawk, then it's the same in snowboarding with, with a guy Sean White, who was the one mm-hmm. that was young, won all the competitions and the half pipes and stuff like that. That doesn't he? That ag- in terms of aggregation, yes, it maybe makes him the world's best snowboarder, but. He's not the world's best snowboarder. The world's best snowboarders are the ones that approach it with almost a kind of like searching for Nirvana-like spirit, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And go into the backcountry and are at one with the mountain doing stuff that just defies gravity and belief and 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 levels of human adrenaline. You know, like that's that's your real sort of thing. So I think it's, it's horses for courses and it's tastes and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, interested in the point you made about Envy because... I think there's a difference between being envious and being jealous. So 
I can say that I have been envious of people in the past, but I try not to be jealous because I just see it as a wasted emotion. The idea that you sort of think, um, oh, I know, well, he's he's doing something I want to be doing. So so fuck him. That, that that's rubbish. I want to be doing that. You know that that's a rubbish way to think, and it, it's just bringing folk down. I can be envious, so I've got mates that are actors and that. I'd quite like to, to be working as an actor. I've done it previously, and I'd maybe like to get back to it. So I'm maybe, I've got a mate Liam who's an actor. He's, he's working, doing really well. So I'm looking at that, and I'm like, oh, I, that's really cool that Liam's doing that, you know? Like, we be envious. I'd quite like to be doing that. But I'm not thinking, oh, well, fuck you, Liam. I hope you do actually break your leg. You know what I mean? None of that. Like, so I think... I think that's, and that's one of the things I was going to ask Cedron about here. Do you think there's more of an uplifting culture or more of a bring you down culture? Or do you think it's a mix of both? I think it's a mix of both. I think there's, um, I'm kind of out with a lot of it now. Like when I used to play music a lot, you could see, that you knew, you know, you can just kind of tell by looking at people. Do you know what I mean? You can, not about like an aura. Do you know what I mean? Like you just kind of know when people are like, I'll phone them because I know they're, they're a good guy or they'll help this or she'll do this and, and that kind of thing. And, and then you get people who are very self thinking about always inwards. Like, mm-hmm. what can I get out of this? Uh, and I think the jealousy thing, it's a total, it's not a very productive emotion. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't, you don't get anything done. Aye, when you're no helping yourself and you're no, no helping you don't. You don't get anything done. Uh, you don't move forward. Like anger will push you forward. Do you know what I mean? Anxiety will push you for all these things. Will be, but jealousy is just—it's total. It doesn't affect anybody. Like if you are—I can't. I think I can't remember who I said who I heard saying this, but it was more like if you're jealous of someone, it doesn't actually affect that person at all. No. Do you know what I mean? Like if someone's jealous of someone else, like that—the person that's doing the actual thing—it doesn't bring them back. No. It doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't, it, it doesn't move you forward either, so... You can be aware of it, though. I mean, I can remember growing up when I was a teenager and stuff, you would know. Like, I mean, because, I mean, I would sometimes stone up and do impressions and, like, folk would laugh and that got me away with being a cheekier person than I should have got away with being, given my lack of any skills in the, the pugilistic and, and fighting arts. But, um, like, you could see when folk were, like, kind of sort of thinking, oh... Aye, look, just looking at you, just that kind of sneery look in their face, and you're just like, aye, look, they're not thinking productive thoughts here. Yeah. They're not thinking positive things about it, you know? Um, so, so you can be aware of it, but as you say, it doesn't really affect, and actually, if you're the person that's the target of that jealousy, you can kind of turn that into a positive for yourself. I think mm-hmm. that happens in a lot of lot of sporting disciplines and stuff. Um mm-hmm. But where where we got a wee bit off base there, so can you talk about the different sort of types of art that you do then? So the skateboarding culture sparked it. So you played music, um, you obviously do graffiti and sort of art that way. What what else sort of grew for there, and how did you explore those kind of things? Just a, a brief sort of appraisal. Uh, <clears throat> so because of that, like getting into video, making video, graphic design, because it was cheaper to make your own posters than it was to pay someone else to make the posters, that kind of thing. Like it's that, the whole DIY culture, basically if like, if you can, that whole punk ethos, if you can make it, like Aye. just go, just go make it. So like, that, I, I that's what it. this podcast is about, by the way. Exactly. Just that. DIY stuff, just make it. That, that's the thing. Like see now, like the information. So I remember, and get, man, I feel like a pure old man now. I remember. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> graffiti.org was the only website you could find graffiti on. That was it. Right. Graffiti.org. And uh, and it was big, massive burners. It was huge, big, amazing pieces in the side of trains and stuff like that. And it looked unattainable. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like it looked like 
uh, that's very difficult and I don't know if I could do that. And like the, I suppose it kind of comes down to that thing as well, like with Nirvana, like Nirvana is the band that got me to play music because like I love Slipknot and I love Slayer and I love Metallica and I love Pantera and stuff like that. But as yeah, soon man. as I heard that, I know it sounded hard to play. Like there's no way you can put time back on and go, that'd be easy. It sounds incredibly difficult. But with Nirvana, you're like, I think I could do that. Do you know what I mean? Aye, so it's aye. like, so from that, like started making videos, started it's the spray paint thing. I, I don't really think I'm a graffiti artist anymore because I don't, I don't do graffiti. I paint murals. Do you ah, know what I, mean? aye, aye, I don't, I don't, I don't really kind of go with that anymore. But I think that sounds quite pretentious. You go, well, I'm no longer a graffiti artist. <laughs> That's all right. I don't, I don't I'll put like you that. up. You're not, you're not a pretentious. Do you know something? <laughs> you are for one of the most artistic folk I know, right? Like you're no one of the wankers. There's so many of the wankers about. It's like, yeah, I actually just sat there and conceptualized the idea, right? <laughs> Stay the fucking thing. You know what I mean? Like, that, <laughs> that's the kind of vibe on it. Like, so you do well in that score, although, like, whereas some people have a gnarly ometer, I've probably got a pretentious ometer. If you, if you begin to make that sort of judder a wee bit, I'll let you know. Dude, please do, because I'd hate it. That's my, that's my worst <laughs> fear, is for folk to look. Cause I got, so I posted a thing in Reddit the other day, okay? Which was a bad idea. But I posted a thing in Reddit the other day, and like I don't usually read comments on Reddit. I look at the upvotes, because the comments is what makes me feel bad about myself. Do you know what I mean? So but when I, you read but, it. But, yeah, of course I did, I, because I'm only human. Do you know what I mean? So I looked at the I looked at one of the comments, and a guy berated me. like berate, It was my back garden. Berated me. Failed art student, all that sort of stuff. And I was looking, I was like... Ah, Amazing! That guy thought I was good enough to go to art school. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, can get to art school? No I know, but that, that's the thing, right? It totally, it totally relates to what we were just saying about jealousy and that. You know what I mean? So, like, that—that's a guy that's obviously like, yeah, he's maybe been to art school and no done anything as creative as that in his life. And it's like, <laughs> I know all these theories about Picasso and stuff, like, you know what I mean? But you can't just go out and do a big art attack and he's Gordon. You know what I mean? Yeah. Aye, I suppose, man. But I, I mean, what were we talking about? <laughs> uh, you. Me. Uh, aye, which is why you're probably finding it a wee bit difficult, because it's, it's, not, it's not your favourite topic, is it? No, I don't, I, it's one of my worst fears is the pretentious bit, if I'm honest with you. And I don't, I, I'm trying to get better at it. I think there's a way to be, uh, a way to be, talk about yourself, but not be pretentious. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, I, it's took me a while, but I think I, I feel confident in my abilities now mm-hmm. on certain things. And I, but I don't think that like it's what? okay to be confident. Right? So I think if someone come, comes to me with an idea, like I had a, a guy mailed me the other day, this hasn't happened yet, right? But a guy mailed me the other day uh, with a fish tank, believe it or not, right? With a, <laughs> right. With a, with a five foot fish tank. And he's like, can you spray paint this? And I looked at it and I was like, no. But what I could do is I could paint on the back of it backwards and do like a, cause he was wanting some sort of graffiti related thing. And I was like, I could do a sunken subway thing, like oh, underground wow. and like paint tags on the, on the, uh, on the carriages and stuff like that. And having one seaweed and like, a, like a sunken New York thing. That's what I mean by the confidence in my abilities. Like, I think if someone comes to me with an idea, I can, I can come up with something that will be like, Oh, that's a cool, that would work. That would look really good. Um, but in such a way where I don't think, the confidence bit, this co- co- that's what I'm trying to teach my boys, is there's a total difference between being confident and being cocky. Aye. And the confidence thing is being confident in what you are, but not going about flashing it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I suppose, like, you know you get people who are good, but they know they're good? And that, that, 
Aye, but it's, it's about how you project that. Because, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I've had similar experiences where, so, I mean, a lot of people listening to this will know I've sort of worked as a broadcaster. And I'm, I always kind of joke, I'm a bit like a sort of Scottish Alan Partridge in that I'm a wee bit famous and a bit of Norfolk, covering Norwich City and what have you, That's right? amazing. Um, That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love Alan Partridge so much. <laughs> uh, no, well, and I'm just as bad with the foot and mouth carry on as well. But um, no, like, like any time sort of down there, I've done kind of podcasts and stuff like that where I've had to talk about me. And I will admit that the way that I can... Now, I was a bumptious little... I, I was arrogant, but I was still, I think, sort of... I was still inclusive. I wasn't arrogant at the expense of others kind of thing. But I was definitely so up my own arse when I was a teenager, early 20s and stuff. Whereas now, I think I've kind of regressed to an acceptable mean where I kind of... Like when I'm talking about me, I do it in a way that I kind of detach myself from talking about me. And I find that that helps you come across no like a pure bumptious prick you know that way um, mm. and that that's the way that I kind of get around it but I think I think there's a line to be tread as you say with the kind of pretentious thing and like the, I mean the pretentious thing for me is before I started this podcast any any podcast I was speaking on I would talk with the sort of Stuart Hodge broadcaster where it was enunciating and to be honest if I'm broadcasting to, to a wider audience sometimes it's required if I'm, I'm broadcasting abroad to, to speak in that kind of way. Um, and all my pals would come on and they'd be like, Hodgie, what are you talking about, fucking idiot for? And I'm thinking, I'm no, I'm just projecting my voice in such a way that, that people can understand me out with the sphere of the word jacket. But <laughs> I bet, here you go, man, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what it is. Whereas now I've kind of decided with this podcast, you can understand me or you can't. Um, and I mean, if I'm interviewing people that are from a bit further afield, like I have done in some of the previous episodes, then of course I will tailor to suit. But if I'm just having a blether with the likes of you, then we can, we can do it that way. And that's the idea behind this podcast. It's, it's no, um, one of my favourite uh, nicknames in football, by the way, is there's a player called Fitz Hall, F-I-T-Z Hall, and his nickname's One Size, right? And, uh, <laughs> which which is a belter. Now I like, that's that's what I'm trying to do with this podcast. It's like one size fits all, but you might not like all my jumpers. Know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. And and it's to try and offer a, a kind of spread of content for different people that helps them in different ways. Am I right in saying that's what you're trying to do with the kind of videos and tutorials you're doing at the moment? Yeah, I suppose. I mean, one of the things I'd like to do is is get people just making stuff like that's it like get rid of that because there's a big thing with art that you seem to think you need oil paint and you need expensive stuff and you need this and you need that you don't you, you really don't you just need an idea that's what it all comes down to and if the idea works mm-hmm. great if it doesn't the next one might and that that's kind of where it comes from so the whole thing with the tutorial thing and working and making them is and especially the videos is like i'm working out a ga- so th- this is the thing i'm working out a garage I mean, you can't see it now, but I'm in my garage and it's covered in nonsense. If you go on my on my channel, you'll see it's just hundreds of paint and stuff that I, I'm a hoarder. You know what I mean? Like, that, it's a problem. Uh, but it's doing what I've got. I haven't sunk... To, I, the bit of going, oh, I'll need to get a proper studio before I make videos. Like, no. Like, uh, you can... But what you've got, you're better making the stuff you can with what you've got because exactly. the other things will come. Like, it just do, do appear. So... There's that wee bit where I hope that, because uh, it's saved me in a way, like being able to just make stuff and oh. that. Because I don't know if ever something gets me, like, and it puts me down, mm-hmm. picking up a guitar or drawing something or coming up with an idea or something like that, that's the thing that gets me out of it. 
Like that, mm-hmm. that is exactly it. Like it ain't that I'm struggling with, it's the meditative part. Like if I'm sitting there carving, like I'm carving a bit of wood the new that I've, I found a ter- telegraph pole, right? And I've never done it like this before, but it's been here and it's been under my desk for ages. And I got, I found uh, a Dremel and uh, wood chisels. And I was like, right, I'm going to see if I can carve this into something. And the whole time when I'm carving that, you're thinking through, but then you're, it's like your brain's working when you're not thinking about it. Do you know what I mean? So now, like, that, that, that is, that's totally the, that is totally the art of meditation, like is to detach yourself from the mind, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. and, to, and, to, and to let things just kind of take their natural course. And another aspect of that for me is, like, um, <clears throat> by the way, just as an aside, I'd love to see the, the, the random to-do list that appeared on a daily basis in your bit. I mean, you're building a hot tub out of Nante at the moment as well, a copper piping. Um, yeah. <laughs> random wood carving, your own big art attacks, maybe the odd song getting written. Mental. Anyway, um, well, I think I think the kind of thing for me is as well, and this is very much the ethos behind this podcast. Now, admittedly, I'm on checking the numbers quite regularly. Human nature to do that, to make sure that people are listening and hopefully getting something out of this. But... I'm trying to make sure that I focus more on the process of making it. And I'm not doing this for adulation. I'm not doing this. I'm actually doing this. Um, and that's why I say that right at the top of the intro. It's, it's like in a public service podcast in the sense that I'm trying to do this so that folk get something out of it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Whether that's entertainment, whether it lifts them up if they're feeling a bit down, whether it maybe gives them a new perspective on an issue, whether it gives them a bit more information about what's happening without watching the news and the doom and gloom and the propaganda sort of channels that way. Like whatever, mm-hmm. whatever aspect of this they enjoy, um, and whichever are my jumpers to, to carry on that analogy that, that seem to fit them, then that's a good thing for me, and I'm glad of that. And that sounds quite similar to what you're doing, where it's like you're focused on the process of making it. And then... Also with you, like even though obviously there's a, there's a commercial element to, to stuff that you make, um, which there has to be, and we're going to come on to talk about that in a bit more detail, you're no into the, the art of mass production, are you? You're more into the story behind why you make something and then why somebody might might be the right person to get that thing. Yeah, totally, man. Um, like I'm not a big fan of, I tried the print thing. I tried the print thing, like doing, like, uh, the not mass production of prints, do you know what I mean? Like doing a run of 50 and stuff like that. But you kind of lose, again, it's the numbers, man. That's the, mm-hmm. the, the numbers is what kills things. Like if you are, if I'm like, I need to sell 50 of these, it, that's that's the point that if you, fo- that's that kills the whole thing dead for me. That upset, that's just, it upsets the natural balance of things. So like the way I see it is, so for example, I painted a turtle the other day on a bit of driftwood that I'd found. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd found like four or five bits of driftwood and I thought I'll uh, I'll paint different like sea stuff on them. And I painted this turtle and I just took a photo and I put it on Facebook and straight away someone messages me, messaged me and said, how much kind of thing? And, and don't I talk about how much I sold it for, but when I sold it to him, I then asked like, what, like, what, what, what is it, man? Like, why did you, why did you, because he messaged me. I never, I, like, I wasn't Aye. pushing it on anyone. I was like, I've done this. He messaged me. And the story was that this person had took a group of young people uh, over to release turtles on the beach. Oh, you know what? I mean? like this was, so that was like a, so this person then got that. This, so this is now in their house and everything so, they're looking was, at. Was this an environmentalist or something? He works with the Duke of Edinburgh. So right. I don't know I don't know the exact ins and outs, but I remember that what he'd said to me was he took a group of young people and it was a pure life-changing experience for these young people. They That's basically like, they released the turtles onto the beach and they made their way back into the ocean. And um, he now has a bit of art that's on his wall that I painted. And every time I look through my feed now, I'll remember his story. 
that's worth that this is the pretentious bit. This is the bit where I like, how put it that's worth more than the selling fifty prints. But it no, is. But it is, it is. But it is. And that's no pretentious if you mean it, right? Because pretension is pretension, it's pretending something. But that is that's just genuine. And see that for me, mate. That's art. You know what I mean? There's no there's no like art for me is no necessarily and don't get me wrong, I appreciate the artistic endeavour and measure in it, right? But going and seeing a Rembrandt in a gallery, all right, sound. See that story there, that's art. That's mm-hmm. art, and it's a story. And what you've got there is you've created, you've created, you, you've enhanced a memory for that guy. You've created stimuli that every time he's in his front room, he sees that and he remembers that. And mm-hmm. it's, it's something that he can, folk might say, well, where you get that turtle there? And it's like, oh, well, do you know what? And there's a story behind it. And mm-hmm. that, is, that is a massive thing. Now, I was interested to hear you come on to talk about sort of mental health a wee bit there and how if you're getting down a wee bit and, and that sort of thing. What's your kind of history with that? Have you struggled with your mental health in the past, or have you had any sort of exposure to people close to you that you've worked with who, who maybe have? Uh, when I was younger, man, when I was younger, I'd really, really bad. I didn't know it was anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like I, I didn't realise I used to get really sore stomachs when I was in secondary school. Right. Uh, lost a lot of weight, stuff like that. Um, and they went to the doctors and they gave me Gaviscon. Mm-hmm. So they did, I remember that because my bag used to stink of peppermint. Like I remember that like vividly. But it wasn't until years later that I kind of, when they, people started talking about anxiety and stuff like that. Like, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm from a family of natural warriors. <laughs> like that, that is a, I, that's exactly where I'm from. West of and Scotland. West of Scotland worry. Worry about things that don't actually, they, they, they probably will never happen. And if Aye. they do, that's the time to worry about them. Do you know what I mean? When it does happen. Well, no, but do you know the irony is you often find, right, see in the midst of crises, right, where some of the things you're worrying about are actually coming to pass. It's amazing how these self-same people that worry about it for months and years beforehand just get a sudden sense of calm and just operate, you know what I mean, and get through whatever the situation is at the time. Then they can worry about it after, about how they did, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the great irony about it. So, aye, man, I th- I'd... I, really bad anxiety when I was younger, like to the point where, um, like I've never actually told anyone this, but like when I was on a train one time, mm-hmm. uh, I had, I just had to get off. Like I, I remember, like I couldn't go very many places. Like and I remember Colin Hunter, who uh, a really really good pal growing up, said to me one time he phoned me and he was like, look, what if we just get on a train? He, he was trying to help me. And he was like, what if we just get on a train, right? Because I couldn't go to Glasgow. Like, I was that wow. worried about going to Glasgow. Like, I just didn't, I, I didn't want to leave the house. I had to, like, either walk to places or I had to get a lift there because um, like, public transport would kill me, man. And um, I remember he was like, what if we just get on a train and you can get off whenever you want? Like, and if you make it to Stevenson, great. We'll just get off, and if you and, and if you get to Glasgow, great. And if you walk off a train at Glasgow, and you might just get back on and come back, that's what we'll do. And like that's that's how bad it crippled me, man. Do you know what I mean? I used to walk the streets at like four o'clock in the morning. Do you know what I mean? Like that's when I was mental, 15, 16 and stuff. It was bad. Like, um, but again, like see at the time, right now, obviously we talk a lot more about mental health now, and there's a lot more awareness and, and kind of cognizance of what, what what the issues are. Um, but at that time, like people didn't, even, unless you had such a severe case that you'd been to the doctor and, and been diagnosed necessarily, like folk didn't know what it was. They, they didn't know that that could even be what it was. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's just like, oh, you get sore stomachs. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? And that's the, 
that, that, that's the thing now, and that's why it's good to talk about it. And it's why one of the really positive things, right? People talk about the whole sort of like um, Wankers Little Lawrence Fox talking about like the kind of woke culture and how everyone's getting mollycoddled and all that, right? Now, talking about mental health, something you could put in that bracket, but I think it's a brilliant thing that we talk about mental health and there is such mental health awareness now because it allows people to realize why they feel certain ways. So I often get certain things, usually if I've, if I've messed something up, right? Especially within my worker or kind of career related, right? And especially if it's something, in journalism, obviously things go out and that's it sometimes, right? Especially if it's a broadcast thing or if it's a written thing that's up that you can't edit, it's in the paper, whatever, right? If you've made a mistake in some way that and it's out there, it's published, there's no way you can change that. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the times that I get anxiety is sometimes to do with things like that. And I'll get, the, the best way I can describe it is just as a knot. Like if you imagine some sort of beast writhing in my stomach and there's no way that I can placate that beast. It's just going to feel like that until I eventually sort of dies down or I move on to my next idea or whatever. And like, I didn't even realize, even until maybe about a year ago, that that's what it was. Now, I don't get it often enough that I think it's something that I need help for or medication or anything like that for, but at least I'm aware of it now. I know what it is. I know it's an intense sort of sense of sort of worry and helplessness. And it took me, even with all the mental health doctor last year, to realise that. So I think it's only a good thing that we talk about these things now. Mm-hmm. I totally, man. I, I mean, the thing, the thing about, like, Eventually, I came out the other end of it, but it was more um, like it was my gran. Like my gran would say things to me. Like, so, so if I know something, same same way you, what you were saying. If I if something's troubling me, it would present itself as random panic attacks. Right, like that's what it would present itself as. But you wouldn't. I wouldn't know what it was. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I would just get them. And but it's like you. I would mentally block out the thing that was annoying me, uh, and then you would get a panic attack. And then it wasn't until my gran had said, "Do you think it's this?" So I'd go and speak to my gran. That's who I would, where I'd walk down the road and I'd go and sit in my grand's back garden and I'd talk to her. And she would say, um, is it maybe this, Stephen? Because that's my actual name. Is it, maybe this, is it maybe this, Stephen? And I'd be like, I think that's what it is. And then I need to go deal with it. Uh, and then they would disappear. So, like that, that bit, um, it's helped me recognise what, what it is that I need to deal with because it's the not dealing with it that gets, the, 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 uh, that's when it, it gets worse if I don't deal with it. Aye, that's you know it. What I mean? it, can the, cri- it can cripple you. But the positive thing that came out, I'm into cognitively reframing, man. Like, I'm really into that. So, Right, by the way, that's the first time, that's the first time that the pretentiousometers kind of just ticked a wee bit there. <laughs> cognitively reframing, right? On you go, biggie. Right, I co- but cognitively reframing, and I think, right, okay, got to try and say this without you thinking I'm an art student, man. But, eh... Uh, so, for example, I painted a thing a while ago, right, uh, in Irvine. And right. I painted under the mall in Irvine, easy, seven years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing made it to, like, the local paper and all that sort of stuff. And I, the, the person I'd painted it for had um, messaged, uh, saying about how it had gotten it and stuff. And I had a look, and there was one person in particular that was berating it, was like, uh, I, 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 I don't like the stuff he's done under the mall either. And obviously, your, your first thing is to go, that's heavy. Like, this guy obviously doesn't like me for some reason. 
But then the cognitively reframing that is like, I haven't thought about, no, I haven't thought about it, but like that, that mal, doing that stuff under the mal was the, my first paying gig in art. Like that was the first thing, that's what got the ball rolling for me, was them mm-hmm. paying me to do that under the mal, right? And it was many years ago, and I don't really think about it all that often anymore. But that guy does. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy, whatever I'd done, he's still talking about something that I haven't thought about in seven years, and I took pride in that. That that's the bit when I'm like, I, I've done something that he's seen, and he he it is annoyed him that much that he still wants to talk about it seven years after mm-hmm. on something that isn't anything to do with that. <laughs> do you know I, what I mean? I, I, so I, co- the cognitive reframing bit is going cool, man. That's good. I'm glad he he knows who I am. Like he he's seen that. Do you know what I mean? Like that I've done something that is whether it's resonated positively or negatively, I've made him feel something. And that's the bit where it's like to cognitively reframe that. So what I mean by that with the anxiety was it was really, really bad and all that. But like if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be able to do the things that I can do now. Cause I threw myself into guitar and I threw myself into drawing. Like that that was it. Like that's I was in my room working on stuff and learn I remember like sellotaping uh, a gaffer tape and a harmonica to my de- my computer desk because I didn't I couldn't get a neck brace to go run it. So I'd sit, I'd sit cross-legged and play harmonica, gaffer tape to the to the computer desk, so I could learn to do it. That's um, that, but that's what I mean. Like I threw myself into it. So the the anxiety thing is bad, and it is really bad. But I can look back at it and say I got something out of it. Do you know what I mean? Just a couple of things on, on what you were saying about the thing with the Mal would be, um, number one, um, I know we're both punks at heart, so like, there's definitely a punk element in the sort of, I've forgotten about you, but my work still annoys you, ha ha ha. Not, not that I'm saying that you think of it as, and as kind of negatively a framing as that, but like, so that that's one side of it. The other thing is, now, I'm sure this was some sort of philosopher who uh, was a lot more than, than, than kind of me. My philosophy normally happens when I'm on the john, not reading a book. But um, I, like, I think they said something along the lines of small minds talk about people, um, like middle minds talk about events, and then um, larger minds talk about ideas or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm probably paraphrasing there. But that tells you a lot as well, I think. Like, that you, this guy's still annoyed by you and by events perpetrated by you, right? The, and you, the, and you, this, you're the guy with the ideas. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I mean, this is just a drawing on a wall, man. Aye, like, that's, all, that, that's all it is. And th- there is that wee bit where it's like, it is lit- like, I don't think I'm a bad person. I probably have done bad things, right? But I try my best to be good. That's Aye. it. Like, if there's... Me too. If, that that's it. That's the only thing I try and do. And like, if there's something, so someone needs help, or they ask me something, I try and be good. I try and say this is how I do it, or maybe look at this person, or this person knows. I try. I try and be outward with that. Like, just say because I don't own these things. Like, I don't own spray paint. I don't own like wood tools and stuff like that. Like, I, they're not mine. And if I pass that on to that person, I don't know what the knock-on effect of that is going to have. And, like, there's a bit, again, it's skateboarding, man, but there was a big guy, like, I was obsessed with, like, making big guys think I was cool. Do you know what I mean? Like, when the older guys came and they were skating and they were doing stuff and all that, like, I was obsessed with, like, I just want to do something that that guy thinks, he's a, that's a cool wee dude. Look at that wee yucket. He's quite a sound wee guy. Do you know what I mean? And I remember trying to do a smith on a, on a ledge, right? And is that so a type of grind? It's a type of grind. So basically, like a 50-50 is when you get both trucks on 
That's the real bit at the bottom of the skateboard, that's by the, the way. Axle. No big glories. That's the axle. Okay, Aye. so what you get them on? But a smith is when you get your back truck on, but the front truck actually hangs off the ledge. Right? So that's what it is. That's and I, cool. man, it is a cool thing. I, there was no way I was getting it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There was no way I was getting it. But I went up and I, and I got this thing and I stuck. Right? I mean, I stuck and like I went, the board stayed and I went the other way and I rattled off the ground. <sighs> and, uh, but this big guy was watching us and as soon as I bounced, he, gets, he stood up, came straight up, picked me up and was like, that's what we need to see. So like, see that? Just keep going with that, man. Like, just keep going until you get And was really positive about it, right? Mm-hmm. And that stuck with me forever. Like, that, that one guy saying that to me. So, like, I work with young people. So when someone nails something, I'm, I want to be the first to tell them. Aye. Do you know what I mean? Like, I want to be the person that goes, you nailed that, man. Do you know what I mean? Like, whatever you've done, like, so we used to teach um, songwriting to, like, young folk. I still do. Young folk and, like, young glasses and young guys and stuff like that. And I remember the first time I actually tried, like, to, um, like, really make the effort to do that was to sit with these young folk and say, you know, you have done something that no, like, some folk will never do. Aye. They might talk about it. But they've they've never actually got to that point of doing it, and you've done that, and you've nailed it and stuff. And if that sticks with them, and it maybe moves into another aspect of their life, great. That's to me, that's the most important thing is being able to say to someone, like just just keep going, man. You know what I mean, Aye. just keep doing it. You're doing well. You're on the right path. You can't do something every day and get worse at it. I don't think it's possible. Do you know what there, I mean? There's that, but there's also, I think, like, especially with, I mean, young people have all sorts of different challenges these days. Um, and it can, uh, I'm kind of glad I grew up when I did because I feel I grew up in the last era where it was, uh, imagination was a dominant factor rather mm-hmm. than a, a side factor because technology has advanced to such an extent now that you can, that Wayne's can have stuff done for them. Right mm-hmm. and, and and that kind of thing and it's kind of it's almost like the 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 advance and the the kind of advent of some new technologies has has discouraged or or is is in some way hamstringing um, imagination and expression and I think that so that's why I'm glad I mean the most imaginative thing you could do with a phone when I was wee um, was was type in a wee bleepy version of the sweet child of mine ringtone you know what I mean yeah. and, then, and I remember being wound by that looking at things online and stuff about how to get it and uh, oh and one of my mates like, oh, I've even found Slash's solo but but he didn't have enough there, there wasn't enough bleeps in it to get to the end of it you know what I mean and stuff like that but we grew up in an era where you would still go and you would play like hunts and hide and seek and all these kind of things and like pretend to shoot each other with pretend guns and, and stuff like that. Whereas now you can do all of that on computers and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's, that's a kind of a different thing. So, and also with, um, I mean, something that sticks with me as a guy that I was working with uh, when I was at Norwich City, he told me how, when he was 18, he essentially rebooted all his social media. So he'd had like accounts on, on various things, I think like Facebook, Instagram, stuff like that. But he was pure embarrassed by like, all the sort of wee nonsensical stuff he put up when he was 13 and, and things like that. So he essentially got rid of it all, like total mm-hmm. clear out, and then started them all again with something like, but see the fact, also another thing is like, you see these six-year-old guys who have better haircuts than I've ever had. You know what I mean? They look like they've walked straight up kind of boy band lineup or something. Obviously a wee guy version. But 
I mean, when I was six, I had mushroom heat hairdos and all that. You know what I mean? Whatever my mother inflicted on me. And and that's the thing. Like, it's just kids have been asked to grow up so, so quickly these days. And yeah. that, that was what we looked at in, in, in the previous podcast, was the impact like, the lockdown might be having on that. So like, was the idea of sort of keeping like your wains and other wains as well occupied and not just that, but, but like, offering something to them that might make them think, might, might sort of trigger some of the synapses, whatever. Was that one of the inspirations behind starting these kind of videos and stuff that you're doing? Well, part the idea with the videos, with the tutorial, because there's two, there's the videos I make about the, the stuff that I make mm-hmm. and the art and all that, and then there's the videos that I have just been making since the lockdown, which is like for young people and families to use technology, like free technology. So like apps that are free, open uh, open source programs, stuff like that to make things. Um, mm-hmm. But I wanted to do that before the lockdown and I wanted to do, I was going to see if I could get a school during the summer and mock it up like a classroom and do like a really kind of jokey, this is how you would do this and then send it round the schools, like mm-hmm. the primary schools that I work with. Because I, so I go into a primary school and I'll do like a mural with them or I'll do like a big animation project and I'll do stuff like that. And then the, the, an email will come in like maybe a couple of weeks later, a month later with the teachers saying, that was really great, they loved it. We want to do it again, but we've not got any money. Mm-hmm. How, would, how would we do this? And I was like, well, why don't, I'll just make a video. I'll just like, if I just send them these and say, that's how you do it. Like, that's how I've done it. You've have done it once before this is the next stage of you learning it by yourself so that when you're out of school and if your animation's your thing, you can do it. Or mm-hmm. if your music's your thing, you can do it. You don't need the, someone else there to give you permission to do something. You can just go and do it. So I wanted to do that before the lockdown, but the lockdown happened. It kind of forced, not forced me, but gave me the thing like, right, well, go and make them now because there's a load of people that are going to be in, in their house with nothing to do. And this might be the thing that gets them through this. Like it might be that you might just fire the way that that person fired that bit in me with the Smith grind. Mm-hmm. Like somebody that if I can make something that someone watches and goes, and it might be the only video they ever watch. I mean, but if it makes them go, I really like that. And then they go start watching other people. Cause it's all test. It's just like wee bits. It's just dipping your toe in. Do you know what I mean? It's not like really in depth. Because there's loads of other tutorials out there about how to do that sort of stuff. So it's almost like, look, there's loads and loads of stuff that you can do. If you find something that you love, run with it. Just, just run with it. Don't worry about the the other stuff. Just get that and just get going. Um, and so that's what, where they come from. How do you keep the element? Because uh, what you manage to do is, without being cheesy, you manage to keep it quite fun. So look, how do you strike that balance? To make the the tutorials fun. Well, I like to be honest. You managed to do it in all your stuff. The pretentious amateur is, remains quiet as you watch them. So, with <laughs> with that in mind, like, how do you do that? How do you keep the kind of element of fun? And actually, like, I mean, we mentioned the kind of big art attack thing. We could talk a bit about Neil Buchanan as well. I know he's like a massive hero of yours, and he does exactly the things that you're you're saying that you're trying to do, where you inspire children, you inspire people to go to make stuff, to be creative. Try it yourself, you know what I mean? And that that kind of vibe. Like, so, with all of that in kind of mind, is how how do you strike that sort of element of fun without being cheesy? Is there a is there a particular formula to that? I think you just need to, I don't really know, man. Like, I, I suppose don't worry about looking cool. That would be it. <laughs> Aye. That, I think that's probably it. Like, don't worry about, like, 
So there was a video I made the other day, and genuinely, right, the other, the other day, I, I, broke a, I broke a wheel off my computer seat. Right. Uh, and I made a video the other day, and I leaned too far to the left, and I nearly fell off the seat. Uh, and right. I kind of done a judder in that, but and that was at the start of the video, so I just left that in. Like it's funny. Like it's funny if I see someone fall off. That's that's funny in a so, like jackass funny. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, Aye, watching yeah. someone, the the Marx Brothers people getting hit with stuff was funny, right? So <laughs> like um, that's don't I could have took that out and made myself look cool. Like oh I don't fall off seats. I'm the Fonz, but like. <laughs> I have four of seats. Of course I do. Sometimes I make it. Make like there was one I'd done a while ago. Like this is, it's probably the mistakes that make it. So I made one, this wasn't a lockdown learning thing, but I made a, I found a road sign. So right. there's this big thing I'm doing called the Tragical Mystery Tour, right? Which I could spend an hour and a half talking about, right? But the tra- I found a road sign and I put it in the back of my car and I drove it home and I made a video about making this road sign into something. So I painted the whole thing white, put a big red ring around it and painted a silhouette of a shark with right. balloons on it. And then I went to a beach and I dug it into the ground and left it to warn people of the dangers of low-flying sharks, right? Which goes into that. I know if you don't know the tragical mystery to it, it makes no sense whatsoever. But I was too excited about painting a sign that I didn't, I didn't even measure it. Do you know what I mean? I didn't even... Right. Me- I, so, and there was a bit where I went, oh, I'll just get an old record. I'll just get an old record and I'll put that in the, in a, and I'll sell it to it and I'll just paint around it and that'll be the perfect red ring. And I said it on video, right? And then... So I made a bit about me going into Sawcoats and searching charity shops to find a record that I could use to do that. Got the record, came home, put it on. Far too small, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Far too small. Totally. But there was a huge bit in that video of me finding this record. So all I'd done was write down on, a, on my iPad why I wasn't using the record and put it up on the screen and then cut a stencil <laughs> and just put that in. But it was like that way, but it's like, cool. That's a good, that, it's all right to make mistakes. It's only way you learn. I'll not do that again. Do you know what I mean? I'll not go, I now know that records are quite a bit smaller than, uh, than road signs. It kind do of, you know, do you know what it makes me just to keep the kind of art attack thing going? Um, it reminds me of the bit, you know, it's me, the head, right? <laughs> so, like the head, and you know, how he popped up with the wee signs and stuff and like the wee yeah. drawings that he'd done, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that, that's what that kind of reminded me of there the fact that you just did it in an iPad. Obviously, you've brought it into the, the 21st century quite a bit. Um, <clears throat> no, I think that's, I, I think that's quite cool. One thing I know you're quite passionate about, right? And you mentioned how uh, you, you get the first paying gig, sort of doing the murals and stuff um, in Irvine under the mall. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one thing you're quite passionate about is how artists can build economic freedom. And especially, I think it's quite relevant in, in a time like this, like this sort of lockdown, um, where you can kind of look at it and say maybe more people are trying more different things. But it's very, very hard to make money doing creative things, especially with the fact that in recent years, sort of the budget for kind of all sorts of the arts has is, is really gone down in terms of giving young people access to it and that kind of thing. So how how did you manage to, to sort of make it snowball from that first gig? And what kind of general views do you have on, on how artists can go about trying? And by the way, by artists, I don't just mean folk that draw and paint. I mean, all sorts of arts. I mean, music. I mean, drama, I mean, all of it. Like, how can artists look to, to kind of go about building that sense of freedom where they can still make money doing what they love? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, 
the, after the mural at the, the mall, so I had a company, I had a, a community interest company called Model X Media, me and a couple of other guys uh, had it. And what, so basically the whole idea was we would get uh, commissions from private businesses and stuff like that and then take the, the profits and put them into community projects. So we ran certain things that were free for young people, like arts-based, because we already had the skills. So it was just time. Do you know what I mean? It was just like moving, almost like Robin, uh, what was this, what's the saying, Robin Peter to pay Paul? Is that, that yes, the indeed. thing? Like, so that, that was basically what it was. Um, and it was great and it, re- like it worked for a while, but then as a community interest company, you get your first taste of funding and then you start uh, looking for more. And it's right. almost like the, it's the, it's the, the poison apple it was for me because there was more time sitting in front of a computer writing funding applications than there was actually doing good like actually going out and doing it. This is your phones moment. You just mentioned them with the thumbs up. It was like, yeah, good fun, mate. <laughs> so I, that was, I was like, that didn't make sense. I just, and then it, it kind of disappeared and I didn't do that anymore. Uh, then I, I, I had another couple of companies and I actually worked for a digital marketing company, marketing company for about a year and a half, two years uh, as a freelancer, I suppose it would be. Um, and learned a lot, but learned a lot about how, to market yourself, how to make things, how to build websites, how to do all that kind of stuff, which I didn't know previously. And that's kind of bled into what I do now. So I left that two years ago and I was actually, believe it or not, this is a pretentious bit and I don't tell enough people, I don't tell enough people about it, but I was artist in residence for South Ayrshire Council. That's quite cool. Well, it it was amazing. It was one of the best things I've done. Like I, I got to do stuff like paint murals and do all that kind of stuff. But I also get to work with like primary schools and made like big year long projects. And I got a, a, a community group in Lockside and I worked with them and they were great. And they managed to get their first exhibition with their work and stuff. And like, Class. it was fine. It was amazing. It was brilliant. Like it was really, really great. But when you hear the artists in residence thing, you usually think someone with a degree and not just a, I mean, I'm just a big guy that paints on walls. Like that, that that's it. true. And like the artist in residence thing, it just reminds me of the old tune, the fact, you know, that, ooh, cheese baguette with the horns up at the face. That's, <laughs> that's that. I, so when you turn up with your long hair and your beard and your tie-dye shirt and you're got the look, got the look. <laughs> so that's the thing. Um, but the economic freedom bit, that's something I've been reading into more and what I want to do. And like, I never was into the idea of like Patreon and things like that, or these different things. And I'm still a wee bit kind of, I don't know if I want to go into that, but what I was thinking was one of the things the lockdown has made me realize is I don't actually need as much money as what I think to survive. Like that's elaborate. Like I've got a number in my head that I think I need to make every month. Right. And I, and I don't, I don't need that amount. And there's some months you make more than you do other months. So, and instead of trying to hit that number all the time, maybe don't have a number and see how you get on. And because I don't have a number now, it's opening up my ideas, opening up my mind to doing other things that will make money. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, I suppose it's kind of hard to explain, but... No, 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 but I think you carry on because it's interesting. Like, so the numbers are a lot smaller than what I think. And I don't, not that I'm a man of expensive tastes. Do you know what I mean? It's not like... Um, I no, mean, but you've got wins. Do you know what I mean? I've got, I need to pay for things. Exactly. And uh, the outgoings aren't as big as what I thought. And I've brought things back, which is why I'm starting to do things like paint my back garden. Do you know what I mean? Mm Because I had the stuff in the garage and it's making me look at what I've got and go, right, I can use that and I can maybe do this and I could try this. And um, Things are cheaper than what you actually think. 
and the, and the, so one of the ideas I've got is I'd like to do like a a tragic tombola kind of thing where it's like so I made a video a while ago uh, called Inkception right and it was I really like Ralph Steadman so it was chucking ink at bits of paper and turn them into things and all that I made a whole video about it and um I take it he's an artist, by the way. Ralph Steadman done all the artwork for Hunter S. Thompson. Oh, right. So the, the, Sound. in Las Vegas. That's the guy, like, really creepy, weird. Uh, the guys, I mean, I love him. I love aye, him. Very, so, very, very trippy, drop an acid kind of vibe to it. Pretty much, aye. And aye. Uh, so I made a video because I really like his stuff and I've done stuff with it before. And then it was, how do I price these pieces of art? Right? So all I've done, so I could have went the 500, I made 10, the 500 pounds each, and I'll make five grand. Mm-hmm. If I sell all these, chances I'm not going to sell one of them at £500. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And the person that's going to buy it at £500 probably doesn't really, they've got £500 to spend on art. Like it might not be, not that, do you know what I mean? I'm not saying that there's a hierarchy to this sort of thing, but if someone's got, fa- you're pricing a lot of people out straight away by saying it's aye, £500. Aye, aye. You're saying it's only a certain type of person can afford to have my thing st- stuck in their house. So what I thought, what I done was I took the amount, I, t- I took my hourly rate. I know that the video took me two days to make. It took me two, a day to make all the stuff and a day to edit. And then I divided it by my hourly rate and that's how I priced them. Right. And I was like, right. And people bought them. Like people went and bought them because they, af- they could afford to. Like it wasn't like a massive, huge amount of money, but they liked it. Like they, they were like, I really like this and I like what you've done this. And when someone walks into their house now and they go, oh, what's that? I know that they'll go, oh, it's this guy called Tragic and he made this video and that bit of art is in that video and it's now on their wall kind of thing. So the Tragic Tombola thing was like, I could sell raffle tickets at £3 a month mm-hmm. and basically all the art I'm making that month, I just raffle off. That's I mean? a really cool idea. Like just got raffled off and that's it. And everybody, the, 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 the order of chaos is fair. Do you know what I mean? It's fair. So if you're a millionaire, it's £3. And if you aren't a millionaire, like a lot of us, it's £3. And you've got just as much chance as that guy. Here's a question, right? Random. But I was going to ask about it earlier, but I didn't feel in keeping, but now's the time to fling it in. So it was when we were talking about growing up here and that, and I was going to ask if that influenced like you in a, in a kind of political sense, like if you have any political beliefs. Um, and I'm just wondering for that that you've said there, I mean, are you an anarchist at heart? Or, or where do you come in that spectrum? I don't know. I know how I vote. <laughs> and I know I, how I do. I totally believe that um, you should just treat people nice. That's it. I don't think there's a, that, 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 if I'm voting for anything or I'm doing anything like that or I'm looking, I just try and look at if someone, if it's a nice thing to do, not even nice, if it's the right thing to do, that's it. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's right to me. It's not a nice thing to think out there that there's people that can't eat. Like no. why? When, you, when, I, when I know it gets wasted. Aye. Do you know what I mean? If More than a, enough food in the world. If there's a subculture of people who can call themselves freegans and only eat out the back of the, only get stuff at the back of shops, <laughs> right? If there's enough for a subculture to build, be built around about it, there's enough to feed people. Like, there's enough. Nah. And where I, I, I don't know, I, I don't really, I, I do, I suppose I do think about politics quite a lot, but I, I don't, um, I don't nail my colours 
No, no, no. I think that makes sense. Like, and I mean, another thing is, like, um, I mean, within the prism of politics, it's like politics. Like, people think of like sort of stuffiness and, and sort of people in suits of arguments and all that. But politics is actually what happens in the ground. Like, or at least it used to be. Like, mm-hmm. and I think we're in such a time of flux at the moment that things are going to change. I mean, the 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 sort of cathartic effects of this lockdown and everything that's going on is going to be seen. And like it's going to be seen in the future. We're not we're not going to see the the direct result of it um, in an immediate in an immediate sense. You know what I mean? It's going to it's going to come in time. Now, see, just on the topic of that, like how has everything that's gone on right now with the lockdown sort of changed life for you? Other than you doing these videos and, and kind of been spoke today, that like as a sort of artist, has it given you a bit more freedom to to kind of think? And has the lockdown been the catalyst for that, or has it just been that kind of change in mindset you were talking about? I think it's both. I think that so. That that this is this is what actually this is what actually happened. Like so, basically, I had a really bad January, like a particularly bad January. Um, financially? Financially, yeah. Like, right. uh, like, aye, grim, grim man. But it was probably my, it was my own fault <laughs> because I spent December just making videos. Like December's when I started making YouTube videos and I started the Tragical Mystery Tour and I done all this sort of stuff and I was making videos and I was like, ah, it'll be fine. And then when January came about, I was like, oh man, you probably maybe should have... <laughs> planted a couple of seeds I would, I, would, I would have said right like after Christmas nobody's get any money and um, obviously we're living in times of well I don't know if we're officially still in austerity but everybody's skint anyway except the 1% of the top so I would say that commercial imperative dictates that you should have a few ideas in the bank for January but not not, not this guy so, well now I know that now I know <laughs> and the only way to know is by making a complete and utter arse of it <laughs> do you know yes. what I mean so yes. Um, the January was particularly bad and then my diary started to get full again and everything was cool but the January set the thing was like right, if I can get through this mm-hmm. you'll be okay like if you can get through this you'll be fine there'll be other stuff will appear and it won't be as bad and made that commitment was like that will never happen again that'll be it like that's yeah. the last you need to look at other stuff now and other avenues and maybe be a bit more forthcoming with what you can actually do mm-hmm. so that made me think about like, I'm going to start actually running workshops on things rather than waiting for people to come to me to say, could you run a work? Like I'm going to say, like I'm going I to do a custom workshop. So. I'll go and hire the place out. I'll sell tickets and we'll, I'll do it like that. And like that. And I started to pursue that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then the lockdown happened and my diary was wiped instantly. Like just, Straight away, completely. Every time the phone rang, it was someone can, can else. Can totally relate, mate. It was like it was. Um, I, I went from I'd five grand of work plumbed in right on football mm-hmm. and basketball, then both got cancelled within thirty six hours of each other, and it was a case of like, that, your money's gone, man. You done? <laughs> what you gonna do now? Aye. So I, I basically I left the house. I was. I teach I teach music on a Tuesday night uh, in a community centre called Winning called well, it's not a community centre but Pride the plays the plays in in, uh, in Pennybum mm-hmm. and that get cancelled because obviously it's a lot of young people and it well it had to be do you know what I mean it wasn't like people were cancelling because they just didn't want to pay they were cancelling because it, it was the right thing to do Aye. like that 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 was it for I mean I was going to be doing a, a, a workshops at a place that were bringing uh, groups from all over Scotland to uh, Cardinal College. Obviously, that was going to get obviously like cancel that every day mm-hmm. of the week. Like that would that could have been really bad for people. So obviously, but I was in a bad mood. I was in a stinker, 
and I was going down to meet my mate, my mate Neil, uh, at the place to talk about what we were going to do going forward and stuff. And as I was leaving the house, uh, my wife said to me, "Like it'll be fine." And I said, my exact words were, "I just want to be angry for a bit." So I just want to be angry. Just let me be angry. And I walked at the house and I put Wu Tang on, which is my go to thing when I'm annoyed. Nice. And walking down to Pennyburn and I Wu Tang, listen to Wu Tang. And next thing at the corner of my eye, there's a guy standing, an older gentleman, and he's like, uh, he said something to me and I kind of took my headphones off and he's like, he said, Are you, are you strong? And I was like, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. And I thought, he's, he's going to ask me to move a couch. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, there's something heavy. I, like, I, don't, I don't know. I says, what is it, man? He's like, one of the residents has collapsed. And I was like, right. And he said, and I, and I walked around the corner, and I, there was a guy lying in this courtyard um, with a woman and a guy with umbrellas around them. And they were like, Aww. could you help? We phoned an ambulance. And I was like, right, and what did they say? And he says, they can get here when they get here. And I was like, right, can you help us get him back in the house? And as far as I was aware, the guy was completely out, like comatose. Mm-hmm. And so like, I was like, I could, I, but let me grab someone else because I could, if I try and just lift this guy in, I could hurt him. And myself. So I says, my pal's just down the road. I will be back in two seconds. Let me go get him. And as I'm walking out, I'm on the run to go and get my pal Neil so he, he, is a, uh, he could give us a hand. And there was a young guy walking along. And I was like, mate, where are you going? And he's like, I'm going to get my hair cut. He's like, can you help me move someday? <laughs> and the guy, he's like, what? And I'm like, just, there's a guy's collapse. Can you help me? So me and this other guy helped, I think his name was Daniel, helped me helped get this guy into the into the house. So he was dry, because it was teeming a rain, so he was dry uh, and waiting for the ambulance to come. Mm-hmm. And we helped him in and stuff. And then as I was, we were walking away, I'd said to the guy, I was like, look, thanks very much for doing that, man, for helping us. And I goes, what did you think I was talking about? And the guy said, I genuinely thought I was getting jumped. Like, I genuinely thought, like, you were coming out and you were going to bat on me, sort of thing. And totally, I was like, yeah. man, no me. Like, I'm a big hairy hippie, you know what I mean? Aye. But it put things in perspective where it's like, the, that man, you're, you are complaining because you're angry because they've cancelled things to effectively save other people. There are a lot worse things are happening. Exactly. There's a lot, th- and it put things in perspective, like, where I was like, right, there is a way to get around this. So I meditate. Successfully. Yeah, I, lo- I love it. I love med- meditation was the one of the, the thing that got me through my anxiety thing was self-hypnosis and meditation. Um, uh, I think, like, separate to the podcast, mate, I'll be very, very interested to talk to you about that because it's something that I want to try and, and, and get into. Um, mm-hmm. I think I've successfully done it accidentally once, um, <clears throat> which is that, you know you know how they talk about it, like that kind of, when you know that way where you're between dreaming and uh, you're between... you're between that bit where you're dreaming and awake and you're in a kind of transient state between the two. And it's mm-hmm. almost like your mind is flying free. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're not controlling it. It's just going. Mm-hmm. And um, like that's the that's the thing. Like, is that Does that sound like kind of what it is? Aye. I mean, what, what it, I do, I meditate, but I also do a thing uh, by a guy called Wim Hof, who he's the, per, it's, uh, his story's amazing. He's, I, I won't do him justice, but mm-hmm. um, it's breathing exercises. And, cold getting at the cold so for a while before the lockdown me and my wife were swimming in the sea like we just go swim in the sea 
and I'll take I'll take cold baths. Like I'll just fill it up with cold water and I'll get in. The longest I've been in six minutes so far. Um, and but that, what is that? Okay. It, it, it's supposed to you this the science is like it helps lower the inflammation in your body and stuff like that but it also helps so so one of the things is like if i get into cold water your body automatically goes into shock and starts to panic right right but that that cold bath isn't going to kill me no do, do you know what i mean and if i breathe through it, it quiets the mind like that 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 forces you, you don't think about anything but your breathing you don't think about like you no longer think about your council tax do you know what I mean? Like that's a that's a sub that you don't know how to think about that human construct of council tax. Do you know what I mean? No, no, no. You're thinking about you're in this cold bath and how you're going to deal with it. Um, so I do that, and that bit might make me sound pretentious, but I love it, and it re- it works for me. It might not work for everybody, but it definitely works for me. So I was doing my Wim Hof, and it dawned on me. I was like, I'm. So one of the things that got cancelled was I was running a, a a workshop for young people that are in home education. Right. And I was like, why, why does that need to get cancelled? Like, you could do that via Zoom. Mm-hmm. Like, you could, you could do that via Zoom. Why not? And then I was like, right, well, and then it, the ball rolls. I was like, right, well, this is what I'll do, and this is what I'll do. And then it was like, so it went from that. And I was speaking to people about it. It wasn't like I just sat there with the idea and kept it to myself. I was, uh, her name's Melissa, who was getting me involved in the home education stuff. I was talking to Melissa, going, I was th- this is what I was thinking. Uh, hang on, you? Melissa who? Just the interest. I can't pronounce her second name. Rarity? 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 Ah, right. Different one. Carry on. And, and she was like, this would work for us. Right, cool. And I was speaking to someone else, and I was speaking to all these people, and, and then kind of bringing the idea together. And then I was like, right. So I could charge money for this. I could charge like four pound a head or whatever. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make them for free. I'm just going to make them for free and start a GoFundMe page. And if people pay, fantastic. If they don't, the, the universe has a way of working these things out when it comes to this sort Absolutely. of thing, right? Uh, and I got funding. I got I get a, I, I get a grand worth of funding from South Ayrshire Council to continue this. Brilliant. And I was like, amazing. That took four weeks. That took four weeks of me doing it. For and me pitching it to them to then go, this is what we can give you. I'm like, great, that's amazing. And then other organisations are now saying, I can give you this and I think we can give you that. And there's a there's a ceiling on it. It's not like I've said I'm going to let this roll forever. Like, oh, I could make a hundred thousand pound making this. Like, once I hit the number that I need to survive to June, that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, it's free. The GoFundMe shuts. The I don't look for anything else. I've got it. Um, it's not about making a profit. It's just about the, the sustaining myself. Aye. And doing something good but that idea came through being angry getting a bit of perspective and then at like 11 o'clock at night doing my Wim Hof on the couch see that see that trust in the universe though that's a really important thing and if you trust in the plan quite often it's going to it's going to work out it might not work out as you envisaged but it'll mm-hmm. work out in the way it's meant to um, and one of the big things in like Buddhism and that is like, I mean, you, you can sort of go on for hours and I have in the past. I used to get really angry at the shit state the world's in. But the the idea behind sort of Buddhism and, and mindfulness and loads of those kind of types of thought is like, it's the, everyone's the idea, everyone's the way it's meant to be. You know what I mean? And if you if you kind of keep that in your head, then it can be, it can be comforting for you, but it can also make you think, right, the way to make change is the old thing I've said it before where you you catch more flies with honey and rather than ranting and raving about how this is wrong or that or like the guy you mentioned about the stuff under the bridge it's more like have you thought of maybe doing it like this do it a wee bit differently and just trust in the thing the thing about perspective is really interesting as well mate because a story my, my old man told me was he was working in the jungle in Papua New Guinea right 
and he was working just outside the rainforest. Um, and like he met, he basically my dad, he's quite a good cultural integrator. He became a pal with the, the tribal leader there, right? And he obviously works in sort of oil and gas and what have you, but he's more into the, the sort of assimilating with other cultures and that kind of thing. And he met this tribal sort of leader and gradually began to befriend him and stuff like that, right? Now, this guy, if you can picture it, right, he's, he's the leader of a, an indigenous sort of rainforest tribe, so he's got like, bolts through him, like all sorts of stuff in his face, holes in his like, face and skin and still, like, all tattooed all up himself, like tattoos that have been done in the jungle, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So scary-looking guy. And see, as soon as he accepted my dad as one of his own, he walked over to him and he took his hand in his. See the way you see wee Wayne's then at primary school when they're lining up, like four mm-hmm. and five-year-old? So this scary-ass guy, right, that that sort of looks like someone that you... I mean, you wouldn't spill his pint if he was ever having a pint, you know? Like, but he walks over to my dad and he grabs his hand like a wee Wayne because he was his friend. And that just goes to show how sometimes what we think and... The reality of situation is just all about perspective and how mm-hmm. we, as a species, and within the constructs that humanity has kind of devised, sometimes that becomes really warped. You know what I mean? But the other side of that as well is the the one thing, the one sort of outside world thing that they had is um, that tribal leader had somehow got an iPhone. You know what I mean? And that was their only outwardly thing. So it just goes to show how the the sort of like yin and yang and all the kind of different elements of it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I mean, I've tried the other way. See the jealous thing and all that, and like, and and looking at what other people have got and being, uh, and wondering why it's not you. I've done that. Like I tried that and it didn't work. It didn't make me happy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I have done all that stuff. Like it's not like. Um, when did you patch it? <laughs> when I started, when I started meditating, and I started doing all that sort of stuff and looking at. Do you know, this is going to sound horrible, but when I started doing more art than music. Right. That's interesting. Because the music thing, it's almost like, so how many people do you know that's been in a battle of the bands? Even the term like, is, go, is contentious. When was the last time you seen a battle of the artists? <laughs> <laughs> like the, that, that it is almost like, you are the whole the whole thing with playing music and stuff is like you are hitting numbers from the minute you start playing gigs for people. Mm-hmm. So like if you're going to play a gig somewhere, the whole pay to play system set up in such a way where you need to sell fifty tickets, and if you sell fifty tickets, it means you're good, and they'll get you back. But what it actually means is you've made money for someone, and they'll get you back because you'll make them more money. But you've already kind of put that thing, and it, it breeds a horrible competitive element without actually meaning to. Mm-hmm. Um. And when I stopped playing as much music, not not stop. I haven't. I've never stopped playing music. When I stopped playing gigs, that's the difference. When I stopped playing live and stuff, it started to open me up a bit more. Looking at, because you, you, I think you are a product of your environment. So when you're hanging about with people who are looking at folk, going, how did, how have they get that? How come they're playing this gig? How come they get this festival? That's because such and such his uncle works with such and such, and all that kind of stuff. Ah. You just become a product of that that environment, man. And when I started doing art, like I don't know any artists, or I didn't, I know a lot now, but when I started, like I don't know, I didn't know how to get an exhibition or how to do it. I still don't know how to get an exhibition. And um, I wasn't surrounded by the people. And because I wasn't surrounded by the people, I started to listen to other stuff and listen to podcasts and meditate and all that kind of stuff. And it made me realize, it made me think, surely there's a better way to do this. Um, mm-hmm. 
No, I don't think I was the world's worst. Like, I don't think I was like, it, it, it consumed me, but I can understand how you could get consumed by that, that, that jealous rage. Do you know what I mean? Totally. But, um, Is there a bit of snobbery towards you because of the way you've sort of done it? Like the, the, some of the artists sort of give it, like, oh, I'm, oh, he's not a real artist, you know? Like, well, well you, always, you always get that cravat thing. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> You're, you always get that cravat thing, but that's why I, I suppose I've gravitated to the way that I make up. Do you know what I mean? And the way I do things, because the thing about the thing about skateboarding, the thing about graffiti, the thing about punk rock is it is incredibly humbling. Mm-hmm. It's an incredibly humbling thing. So you can be the greatest skateboarder in the world. Like you can be, you can hit any trick you want. When you hit a stone in the middle of the road, you will smack your face off the ground. That's Aye. it. And you will look bad. That's it. Everyone does that. Like that's just part. Of, it's incredibly humbling. Hitting that pebble humbles you. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Aye. In the same way. With spray painting is you are surrounded by people who, um, when you're going out and you're doing graffiti, like you're already hated. You use that term graffiti, and there's already a section of people that think you are bad, regardless of what you're painting. You're doing something bad. Do you know what I mean? But the whole spray painting, street art, that whole thing—it's a. You are making the best thing you can with the resources you've got. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. You are making. You are finding a way to scale a thing to paint something but you can't turn up with scaffolding when does it become vandalism when it's someone else's thing i think mm. i think what if, like, it, what, if it's, what if it's an abandoned building that's owned that's, by, it's by it, that's where i learned to paint properly was abandoned buildings like uh, there's a there's 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 certain rules there's unwritten rules and and it, so i've got an album called honor amongst thieves and that's one of the rules of graffiti Mm-hmm. Is honor amongst these. You don't, you don't grass on another artist. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like if if there's, if you're out with three or four folk and they get away and it's just you, you don't grass on it. You don't know them. Like that. It's one of the rules. Other rules are things like you don't paint on schools. You don't paint on religious places. You don't tag a church. Like that's mm-hmm. another thing. You don't tag things that people have worked to get. So, I wouldn't tag the side of someone's house. Do you know what I mean? Like I that, they've, they've worked. You don't know their situation. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't mess with karma that way. Do you know what I mean? Like, so there's these rules with graffiti, and I think there's a total humbling thing. Like, it's almost like it's not about money. See, if you're into vandalism, if you're into painting, it's never been about money. It's never been about how you sell your paintings could be worth ten grand. It's not about um, getting into an exhibition. It's not about that. It's about whatever you take out of that, and that's what makes it. That's what makes it good. It's what, it's what makes it art. And I mean, it's no, it's, it, all these things should be a byproduct of it rather than what you strive yeah. for. Yeah, that's, that's, exa- that's exactly it. And I think when I understand why people don't like it, I, I totally understand that. I understand why people look at vandalism and or they, they look at graffiti and they think it's vandalism and they think it's that and they think it's... And I understand why people can see someone's throw-up, someone's two-colour throw-up, compared to a Banksy stencil and think they're two completely different things. And we really like one of them and not like the other, but they both came from the same thing. They both came from the same mm-hmm. the same plant. Do you know what I mean? The, the same seed grew, I, the two of the things. I think what's amazing about it, and one of the reasons I think Banksy's amazing is not the quality of what he produces or the political message behind it, although I like all of these elements. It's the ethos of who and what he is. You know, like mm-hmm. the fact that I mean, for him. Now, don't get me don't get me wrong. The, the kind of sense of mystique and all of that sort of stuff, I think, is obviously 
a big part of now the whole phenomenon and 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 why is it why he's he's so sort of lauded for for these things. But I think it's that wasn't that wasn't done with in mind that he's going to be the international artist man of mystery. That was mm-hmm. done with the idea of look, I'm trying to do something here that makes people think. You know, and mm-hmm. that for me, I mean, that is punk. If you ask me, the most punk thing right now, like that is total punk. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And in, in terms of the attitude and ethos, it's more punk than any punk bands that are about for me. Like just the ethos behind that and what it's doing, and that is that is making a difference. That is making folk think, and it's done in a way where I mean, it sounds like it, it does kind of adhere to the the kind of the rules that you were just educating me about there. Mm-hmm. Aye, and like uh, it doesn't spread hate. No, that's the thing. Like it's not. It, it's one of the things. It's like uh, essentially, it's paint on a wall. That's all it is. Like there's <laughs> there is a lot more folk out there who have done worse things and got away with it. Do you know what I mean? The paint like on a wall statement, by the way, that was that, like the ometer. Just the, that that took the batteries. Just took, that's fine. You just powered it down with that statement. That is what is. It's paint on a wall. Is, that's what, well, I mean, we put the meaning in it, don't we? I mean, is that the? Am I being pretentious? No, no, it's the, it's, the opposite, it's the opposite. <laughs> like, like it was that was so ridiculously unpretentious that I've just taken the batteries with it, mate. It's fine. Right, okay, cool, man. So it's just painting a wall. Do you know what I mean? And like, there's that bit where it's like, so when I put that thing in Reddit, and there's all these folk going absolutely. Not that all these folk. This is the thing. I think people that are horrible get better press than the people that are good. That you know I mean? is one of the reasons I, I describe myself, and I, this was pointed out to me in another podcast I was on as a journalist that hates the media, and I think that's part of the reason for it, because you're absolutely right. Katie Hopkins can talk shite and folk talk about it, you know what I mean? Whereas you get people doing really, really good things all the time and never gets any coverage, and yeah. that that is the problem. And like, even worse than that, propaganda getting spouted by the folk yeah. supposedly in charge of us, and it's no getting challenged. That combination of factors is why I'm a journalist that hates the media. Mm-hmm. <coughs> um, so I, I, I get when I when I look at that, you look at the the amount of people that were really positive about it, and then you let the one or two people that said something negative about it, you focus on that, and that is something I'm still trying to learn to ignore. Mm-hmm. Is that is look at rather than look at you no know, the thumbs up, the thumbs down. Aye, who, who cares? Aye, like that 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 bit like that's and I I'm struggling with it now, but I know. If I keep working on it, I won't. It'll get. I'll get a little better every time. Every time I put something out, I'll not have that uh, that emotional attachment to whether someone likes it or not. You can't. You can't be too precious, can you? No, no, you can't. And, and then, but the, the thing is, I will take constructive feedback every day of the week. Absolutely, every, I'm the every same. day of the week. And if if someone was to message me and say, "Look, man, see that thing that you've done there," I wouldn't say it's your best you maybe rushed such and such or whatever, and I'll take that on board, but I won't take on board a thumbs down for, for nothing. Aye, 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 you're shite. <laughs> I, won't, I, won't, I won't take that. Now, if, if someone thumbs that down because of my accent, do you know what I mean? Like, that, that's what we're talking about. Like, it could be that someone thumbs it down because I speak, they're American or tush, they're... Tush. Uh, there, there, was a, there was a petition, right? See, when I was the Norwich commentator for Norwich City, right? Uh-huh. There was a petition started, right? Um, uh, get rid of the Norwich commentator, Stuart Hodge, blah, blah, blah. Right? Now, I'm not saying I'm far from the best commentator in the world. In fact, I would say that I learned to be a decent commentator over the course of that season, right? Um, as opposed to just someone that was 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 kind of 
very much cutting their teeth. I probably became a half-decent commentator through the process of that season. And it was just towards the end of it that I felt I was I was kind of getting the tone sort of bang on, you know. Um, and throughout that season, it was like folk loved it, folk hated it. Total marmite, right? Um, but there was a petition started, like, get rid of the Norwich commentator, Stuart Hodge, blah, 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 right? And 14 people had signed that the time I left as commentator. See, when I randomly stumbled across the page again about a year or two later, 25 people had signed it. So that means that 11 people had signed it after I had been deposed as the Norwich City commentator, which just goes to show you like, that you, you, can't, you can't be too precious, but it is quite hard because it's, it's about the whole ego thing as well, isn't it? Uh-huh. Like, cause, um, if you're someone that is creative and expressive and, and you put that side of yourself out there, invariably, no matter what kind of mindfulness you practice, you're going to have an ego. And it, uh-huh. often, as people who are artistically expressive, it's a certain degree of sensitivity that allows them to access that and to, to project things that, that, that show people stuff and, and that, that, that can help people or whatever. Now, that combination of factors is why the thumbs down and, and these other things, why it is a process of learning to overcome that if you mm-hmm. do want to artistically express yourself, isn't it? Well, it's the the, the the way I'm trying to think of it right now is, um, am I am I enjoying what I'm doing now? And I, yes, that's it. I, I, Same I, here. I, I, I love it. Like I really, really love what I'm doing. And I, I, what I mean, I don't love what I'm doing as in like I think it's amazing. What I mean is, I love the process. Like it's I the love process the, again, isn't it? and that's totally yep. the thing with this pod as well. It's like I'm loving doing it for me. If folk listen to it and it yep. helps folk, brilliant. And that mm-hmm. is the kind of intention. But I've got to enjoy the process, and that's why, for no financial remuneration at all, I'm basically working a full time job at this now. Yep. Uh, do, you know, do you know? But it's the it's the the other end. Do you know what I mean? It's like one of the good things about the lockdown, I suppose, is there probably is a lot of people out there, or there might be that have uh, they're still getting paid, but they're in the house. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And, and I, they, I am not one of those. Near am I, but I mean, like, there might be, and they're starting to do other things, and they're maybe looking at stuff and going, maybe I could strip this back so I can spend a bit more time doing this, and because that's what really makes me happy. And it's just the happiness bit. So what I'm asking myself when I look at these, when I look at the thumbs up, not that I've had a lot, man. Like, I've not, it's not as if I get much hate. <laughs> like, I'm not saying that now. Like, maybe there'll be somebody listening to like, I'll show him, and just go through and dislike <laughs> everyone, just annoy me. But, like, uh, I, now what I'm, what I'm doing is I'm looking at it, because, well, it's well, it stopped me. Like, will that thumbs down make me unhappy when I am carving this bit of wood? And the answer is no, it won't. So, and then the other thing I'm trying to think about is what is it they're going through? Like, what is it they're stopping themselves from doing? Exactly. And if I can do such a thing and talk about because one, one of the things I'm struggling with now I'm going to I've just seen the time man so I'm going to kind of uh, that, 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 that's alright don't worry mate I'm, I'm at the, I've got one more question then we wrap up well, one of the things that I'm making the new is six it's an idea uh, six ideas that I want to do in the future so I'm making a video about that like six things that I haven't done but I want to do and the bit that I bat- not I battled with, but I was thinking, like, what if somebody steals my idea? Because my mom always tells me that. Like, so you, what if somebody steals your idea? And it's almost like, you know what, see if they do, they do. But they don't. ideas don't happen, just me sitting in a room, keeping them to myself. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if I make, this, make these videos and I put them out and folk like them, and they go, 
and folks start to watch them, then it maybe makes someone else think, I could, I could do I could do something like that. Then that makes them happy and that sort of stuff. It's the knock-on effect, man. And if you make money for it, you make money for it. And if you don't, you don't. But I don't know, man. I feel like I'm rabbiting now. No, no, no. Listen, listen, you're bang on. Just the, the one last thing I want to get your opinion on is you mentioned all these people now doing different things during the lockdown. Do you think this could be somewhat of a renaissance period for the arts? Or do you think it's just going to be more of a passing fad as, as people, to, to help people get by? I think there's a big thing, right? So I've had conversations with people before this where they go, so what, is everybody just going to become a YouTuber now? And you're like, well, no, no. But some people might. Do you know what I mean? Like people, like, so what they're saying is, what I think they're saying is, so will we all just pay each other through YouTube? And I'm like, well, no, because there's some people out there who love cars and they are a mechanic. Mm -hmm. And their dream was to work with cars every day. It wasn't to be Jeremy Clarkson. It was to work with cars. And they've accomplished it. Like that's that's the bit. Like it, not everyone's going to wake up and go. I just want to be. I just want to be. I like spray paint ones and I want to make videos about it. It's not. That's not what they want to do. They. I hope that the time that they've got will help them find the thing that they want to do. And Aye. they manage to do it in some way, shape, or form. So, say someone was really into running and they didn't run for a long time because it was making them tired and they had a job to go to and they've they've managed to start running again and they've felt the benefits of it i hope that continues on because not everyone i know like they they see there's a couple of people that i've met and i've spoke to like good pals and stuff that are like it's just a job they've got they don't care it's just a mm -hmm. job they start it and they finish it and they leave it behind and then they go and do the things they like and that makes them happy that's their work-life balance is perfect they've got all the things that they need and it's not about hundreds of money it's not about fame it's not about infamy it's not about all these different things stuff the car they drive they just do their job so they make money and then they go and they do what they want for the rest of the day. And, and by the way, that, 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 is, that is the ideal to find. I mean, you just need to look at Donald Trump, right? On paper, right? Massively successful businessman, um, president of America, arguably. arguably the most powerful man in the world. You look at that guy, he's severely mentally ill, isn't he? Ah, yeah, he's miserable. He's miserable. Money doesn't he bring. That's the thing about the economic freedom, but it's like if you can bring... If you can find a way to make the money but bring the other stuff down. I hope that a lot of folk are now looking at their Canada. Is it a Canada goose jacket? What are they, what are they really expensive furry jackets? I have no idea, mate. I'm no anti-clobber. The, the only reason I know what it is is because I've got a jacket and someone asked me if that's what it was and I have no idea. But they're dear jackets. They're like 500 quid a jacket. In the grander scheme of things, it doesn't actually matter. Last, last jacket, I knew the name of was Ameripeak, by the way. Like, so right. there you go. And that's, that's just relating back to the Neds at the start of the podcast. Unless you love jackets. That's I, the bit. That's the other bit. Like, so if your dream is to own a BMW, great, man. Like, work for that and get your BMW. But don't just get a BMW because someone else has got one. That's the bit that I hope people learn. It's like, what actually makes you happy? Does the BMW make you happy? Yes. Great. Keep it. Does it? Does it make you happy? No. What makes you happy? Swimming. Go learn to swim. Do you know what I mean? It's like, that's, I hope that's what happens for folk because ultimately that's going to help everybody because it's going to have a knock-on effect. It's the whole thing with like mental health and the NHS and all the money that's getting put in it and stuff like that. If people feel happier, they will feel healthier. And if they feel healthier, it will, will alleviate some of the, 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 the funding the NHS has got to pay for these different things. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Like it's when they mm -hmm. talk about the, the universal basic income and well, that's been shown to work. That's been shown to work for the individual uh, or mm -hmm. the family and societally. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it, it makes sense that, that, that things like that are looked at, but obviously it's just a, a question of political agendas. 
But I, that, that's, I don't know a lot about economics, man. Like, I don't, like, I'm not going to pretend that I do. I don't think I'm an intelligent, <laughs> I don't think I'm intelligent enough in those matters to discuss them in any great detail. But mm-hmm. I do know that when I speak to people about the universal basic income, when you tell them about that, they feel a tiny wee glimpse of happiness. Mm-hmm. When you say to someone, you'll get X amount of money between you and your partner every month, you can see in their face there's an alleviation of some sort of financial burden, yep. which is then make them, that'll have a knock-on effect on other, it'll have a knock-on effect on maybe how they treat their mum and dad, it'll have a knock-on effect on how the people they treat at their work, um, it'll have a, a, a knock-on effect on their confidence and their own self-esteem, which will, that'll, it, it's the butterfly effect, man. Do you know what I mean? That's what it is. It's, you, it's just a tiny, you, the tiny wee thing that you do might mean the world to someone else and that's exactly. what changes, changes their path. Um, and it's almost as if we're being blinded by the fact that you must be in the public eye to be doing something good. I remember speaking to a guy, speaking to folk years ago about them, uh, what makes a song good. Mm-hmm. And it's like, right, well, it's the, that old thing that I learned for the Simpsons. Like if a tree falls in the woods, does it make a sound? Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like uh, if I write a good song and no one hears it, does it still mean it's a, does it mean it's a bad song? Pro- probably not. No. Do you know what I mean? Like, def- definitely not. That, that's the thing that's, Finding that happiness. And what makes me happy is making things every day. That's what makes me happy. And that's what I want to pursue. Well, and I think, and that's why you're doing what you're doing, mate. And I think that's very, very commendable. Well, just on that note, because that's a, a nice sort of note to, to kind of get wrapping us up on. Um, where can folk find your tutorials and, and any more sort of stuff about you if they want to find out more about you and what you do? So... I am Mr. Tragical Hara on everything. So I'm on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. Um, I'm also on YouTube as Mr. Tragical Hara. So tra- well, tragic, put Tragical Hara and I should appear. Um, uh, and I'm on Spotify. I'm, tragical. I'm on Spotify, Amazon Prime. All that, uh, Amazon Prime? What's the music? Amazon Music, Apple Music. <laughs> all that stuff. So that's just Tragical Hara on all these different things. Right, perfect. Uh, it's quite good that you've got that, and you've, um, I mean, no been so daft kinder, which is obviously a obviously a bonus as well. Um, <laughs> now, that's all for today, sir. Thanks for listening and continuing to support the podcast. We can now be found on all of the main podcast platforms, including SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, as well as Spotify. Just search for My Corona Podcast, or Hodgie the Hack, or both, and My Big Ugly Mug should pop up. Make sure to subscribe, uh, please kindly thank you kindly if you've enjoyed this and um we're still at the stage where we're, we're wanting to get as many people listening as possible so please share with any of your friends if you think they might benefit from listening or enjoy it too um also we'd appreciate some follows on the old social media channels just like tosh was saying there you'll find us on at my corona pod on twitter and then just search for the my corona podcast on facebook i'm of course hodgy the hack on twitter that's h-o-d-g-e-y the hack um, and Tosh, in terms of just specific social handles, or, or you got a couple you want to fling in? Uh, just at Mister Tragical Arrow on Instagram. Uh, same on Twitter, TikTok, Facebook. I just it's the same thing. It's the same thing all the way through, man. I'm on them all. You are very well branded, dear boy. <laughs> clarity there, clarity of message. Excellent. That's it for now, troops and troopettes. Thanks for being with us. See you again on Thursday for episode six. In the meantime, stay safe and stay safe.